You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Whoa. I'm sorry, we had a Hollywood uh, red uh, carpet deal or what's going on here? Look at all the sun, Andy. I know. I mean, it's just crazy. It it doesn't like these uh, little web shows, though. The the web shows don't like the sun. Yeah, I know. We're almost better off in an artificially lit cave. I have, I'm, uh, I'm arranging my dock install here right now, guys. Important. Good yeah, timing. Um, so, Nick, what uh, what are you up to? Well, I do have some news. I was robbed for my first time ever traveling this past weekend. Oh, no. Yeah, I was down in the uh, centro of the, the city in some seedy areas and out of nowhere just whoosh, ripped my chain off and, and ran away. But I didn't really care about that chain and I was a little under the influence. So we continued the night of uh, partying. But it was a it's a good experience to have, you know. When you're in Brazil, you gotta get robbed at least once. <laughs> that's uh, that's what the uh, the old brochure says, I'm sure. <laughs> Come to Brazil, and it only you only get robbed once, you know. That's Italian. Oh wait, <laughs> accent. <laughs> you guys speak Portuguese. I'm still at, I'm still at your last destination. No. Oh. oh. Oh man, well that's too bad. Well, sorry to hear that, brother. Nah, that's fine. No, no post-traumatic stress or anything. Well, at least they just grabbed your chain and ran. They didn't put a knife in your throat or something crazy. But the, you know, that is one of the worries about other people traveling to different countries as well. I mean, it would take you four years to get robbed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had. I mean, just as good a chance of getting robbed in you know Minneapolis for sure. Right. No, exactly. Unfortunately, yes. He's alive still. He's still alive. His mother so will be happy. I'm. I'm just want to be clear. So we should still continue living through you or not? Yeah, you got to have some bumps in the road. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Are you keeping all your wives happy then that you're uh, you're traveling with? <laughs> they come and they go. Okay. <laughs> oh enough. boy. Anyways, should we talk about real estate? I'd like that, yes. All right. Well, what uh, what are we thinking? I lost on a couple multiple offers this week. That was great. Mm-hmm. Did everything right. Just had some hot hot properties that people wanted. Much worse, I guess. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Because it is. No, it, I mean, it, it's true. I mean, there was. Um, I didn't. I don't help as many buyers as I want to, but we've got a couple listings now that are finally coming around. There's been a lot of uh hesitation if you will on the buyer side with the uh or the seller side excuse me because people just aren't sure like hey you know what should we do here should we you know should we be selling should we not be selling and and then um, like we've talked about in previous shows recently here where you know some people just don't have the choice you know it's like hey you're of this age you you need to get the one level living um the option for multi-level is not um as exciting for you anymore and so we got to get you moved so that, that'll always happen, you know, um, growing families, you know, death, divorce, 
that uh, always keeps our market moving at a minimal pace, but yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's still, it's, I mean, I know what I went over on, on those two and we were significantly over, I mean, over 10% on one of them and uh, pretty darn close to that on another one. Wow. And I don't, I mean, one was priced pretty competitive, probably could have been $25,000 higher, but the other one was, okay, that seems fair, you know, mm-hmm. and, but we want it and just didn't quite get it. And so, wow. Oh, well. 10% over. I mean, and what, what price range were you guys running offers? That was in the five. That one was in the five. The other one was in the oh. sevens. Yeah. Yeah, so. man. Oh, well. What's that? What, the, good are part you, is, uh, the good part is this. We got a lot of good ones coming up in those price ranges. I, I know. Me too. That's what. That, here's what's kind of crazy. I've got this great year lined up as long as everybody starts moving. It's just this hesitation and pause and give me another week or let's wait another week or I want to. Uh, I've got three. I've never had this in my career where I have three houses signed to be listed and everything's on pause um, for 90 days on the on the coming soon. Right. Or the not coming soon. The um, uh, pre MLS stuff still on the MLS, but they're not active. Right. Um, waiting for yeah. them to find another property. I've never had that in my career. I've got three of them right now. They're all just sitting there like, well, until we find something. But once we do pull the trigger, order the photos, let's go. Are they, so, are they all willing to purchase before they sell? They all. That's contingent? what they all want. Okay. They want. They want to know where they're going first. Purchase. Um. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, that's that's another thing that's happening is contingent sales. You know, people are a little worried about that, but they're they're somewhat they're working out there as well because all the agents know that. I mean, if it's a good listing, it's going to sell. And most likely you're set up pretty well if you accept a contingent offer. I mean, the terms are most likely in your favor pretty well. And then uh, it also lets other people know that, hey, there is other people interested in this house. I'm going to have to go in strong in which to be able to beat it so we can push them. It is a weird market, though. There's not a lot going on, but what is going on is very exciting. And I think that's kind of a quick little summary. And it's because you do, you have people all the time like we're, looking for new content and like like last week's content where we were talking about FHA you know favoring lower credit scores or having less cost for those loans and I can't tell you how many people have come up to me after that show and said are you kidding me is this really happening and then everybody starts waving the socialism flag and all this you know and I go you know guys I can't explain it I mean I, I don't know exactly why the motivation is there other than the banks must want to lend and so they they want to keep people you know, borrowing money and there, there maybe is a less of a, a risk or a concern factor with people with lower credit scores. So they will spend the money if they have that, the credit available. Right. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. I think everyone is, I mean, thank goodness inventory is low because buyers are low. When you have low inventory, low buyers, there's still properties to purchase for these people and uh, just kind of keeps the market mm-hmm. going. I think if we'd have all these people. What are you advising your clients to do, Chris? Because like right now I've been telling everybody, hey, let's get all of the 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 attainable contingencies like financing lined up, um, you know, securing your deposits. Um, inspector that you're ready to to let them know that you're out shopping 
and need them at a drop of a hat to help you out. Um, what what other things are you doing with clients right now to, to help them prepare for this, you know, quick moving limited market? I think the biggest the biggest thing is, is explaining what the heck's going on, giving them the options um, to understand what it takes to compete in this multiple offer market and what it means to put yourself in the best position without killing you later on. So it could be from non-refundable earnest money to a lot of earnest money to um, not subject to uh, financing. That's another big thing we've, we've used. Now it's been successful a couple of times where we've had backup financing in place and that you have the ability to put the financing on it. But people want to know that it's done. You can say anything you want. Hey, I'm going to give you $17 million for it. But if you don't close on it, it's not very good. So then you start to give, give them assurances. And what are those insurances? And that is like non-refundable earnest money, you know, quick inspections, maybe inspections before you even go live, meaning um, you do it while you're at a showing. We just, we did that on one of ours. And, you know, it's costed them between 150 and $200 and not even knowing if they're going to get it or not. But it's nice to be able to say that, hey, we already did our inspection. Not even that we're going to not even do, we're not going to do an inspection, but we already did it. We're prepared and we know exactly what we're dealing with. So it's not going to be a problem later on because say whatever you want, those that comes, it becomes a problem later on. It just well, and, and are, are you finding it advantageous at all to have your buyers positioned to purchase with cash? You know, I mean, because you can you can kind of do the shell game there, move things around and and make a buyer look like they're a cash buyer. And then at the end of the day, they refinance down the road. But the idea there is to make them look like a better on paper buyer. What are what are you seeing with that? I mean, are you are you doing I, anything? Again, I, I'm not working with a lot of buyers, but I'm I'm also selling listings and I am yeah. seeing I mean, it's still 35 percent of the offers coming in are cash. Yeah. And I mean, and cash is great. I mean, but. At a certain point, cash is not worth a ton more. But what it is worth is that you don't have to deal with appraisals and, and right. financing. But Andy's exactly right. I mean, where is their cash? I mean, is it in the stock market and they haven't taken it out yet? I mean, what if the stock market goes down? You don't have that. What if they're using that cash to buy something else? You don't know. And so to me, it's kind of uh, there's. There's a certain level, and it depends what listing it is for me, mm -hmm. if cash is good. I mean, if there's something that's wrong with it and seriously wrong with it, cash is fantastic because the mortgage company might have a problem with it. Yeah. But if it's a very good house and it's um, in a great area, you're probably not going to have much problem with financing. Well, so. you know, and that, that was the thing is that like last year we had a couple of our uh, listings where they were selling and they were cash. And the, the buyers coming in, when they put themselves in the cash position – you're like, well, what does what does cash actually mean? And so when you go through, and I'm doing my due diligence as a listing agent, and I'm going and saying, hey, um, you know, this is a line of credit. I had one of those come through, and I go, the line of credit to me is not cash. Line of credit's an available line of credit to you, still subjective to the bank's discretion. Let's say that they decide not to fund. Let's say that they decide to adjust your credit score or whatever happens, and now that that amount goes down. So to me, and I don't know about you, Chris, but to me, cash is truly deposited liquid assets that are ready to say, um, write the check or, you know, transfer the money. It's in their name. It's in their account. 
it's not a act. Hey, you changed backgrounds. Nice. Um, did you redo your hair too? Because it looks great. You know what? I'm I'm actually stayed at the lake house, and I don't really have a mirror. And oh. So I said I'm going to try the. Uh, my contractor was at my house, and he goes. I said I got to do my podcast. He goes, "What are you trying to dress like, Andy?" <laughs> well, said, I'll, I'll, I'll take that as a half compliment. Yeah, exactly. Because half the time I'm wearing t-shirts too. So what's well, nice that right they remember you. At least they remember you. That's true. Impressive. So um, so yeah, so anyway, so that was kind of my strategy on cash. And I'm sure you were hustling, but I was basically saying, you know, like having deposited cash is a whole different oh, version of cash than a yeah. line of credit yeah. or showing me your retirement account. And it, cause that stuff, yes, it's, it, it's there and it, it is real, but it's not easy or non, uh, how do you say that? Uh, there's, there's no objections to pulling it. There's no timelines. There's no deposit windows. There's no, I mean, it's, it's straight up cash. And cash, cash would be great in that if other people didn't screw it up so many times. Because that's exactly what happens. They're always trying to trick you. And they, oh, we got the money in. Oh, oh, you know what? We decided we're going to finance it. What, what are you talking about? Yeah. You're, you're, you're done. I mean, when you sign that contract, it immediately goes to the buyer's side. I mean, for the most part, they're, they're in control. Oh, you know, I forgot my earnest money. I haven't got it in. Oh, please just get it in. You know, oh, the inspection's done. But I'll tell you what, they're really, really concerned about uh, the water that just came up and they want to be able to come and see the house. And if every box isn't in place, now we got a problem again, mm -hmm. you know, because I mean, contracts are great and they're written and you can obviously sue someone to perform. Yep. But a lot of times they're only good as that paper is. <laughs> and it's not that great because what are you going to do? What if I come to you, Andy, and I say, you know what, forget it. I'm not, we're not buying it. You can make mm -hmm. us, we're going to, you got to close in 30 days, but Let's let's do this, Andy. You sit around for 30 days, wait for me to see if I'm going to do it or not do it. And then you'll maybe try to force a cancellation to get my earnest money. It's going to take you at least 15 days in which to do that. And now you just miss the whole market. I mean, this is the things that can happen out there. And well, that's why you got to know from an agent standpoint, yeah. this should be agent MD. Um, and, I, an and, I, I, and I apologize because I don't mean to be this way, but usually it becomes the who's got the biggest you know what contest and i've got cash and i've got whatever and i'm powerful and i'm negotiator 101 and it all of those things in today's market are are not successful tactics right. so taking the power of cash and using it what it's for is truly just to prove a closing right that it's gonna close or this person's gonna perform so now put your money where your mouth is that old phrase in this situation is so true put your money where your mouth is Give me non-refundable cash deposits. That's what I want. And put right in your contract that once you've cleared the contingencies, this is non-refundable. Because that's what earnest money is supposed to be. But earnest money has become kind of a joke, in my opinion, the way that people treat it. And the, they'll give you $800 down or they'll give you $8,000, but they want it back if the whatever doesn't happen. It's like, so it's a joke. You might as well not even collect the money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a, well, if this doesn't work or that doesn't work or this doesn't work or that one doesn't, then yeah. we get it back. Yeah. So, yeah, but that that's the point. And I think that's what's happened to cash. Cash has turned into, uh, is it really cash? What else are you going to try to do to me versus, oh, my gosh, it's cash. And we have, there's no contingencies. We're done. And we just go to market. I didn't recognize Nick without his chain. Oh, I know. It's tough. 
He usually has like three or four. Did they steal four of them or just one? No, nah, just one. Just one. Okay, I'm teasing you. It was it was like a it was like a thrift store chain that I got a while ago, so I didn't really care. Oh, yeah. But hey, trick trick them. So here's uh, what's been talked about all over social media, and I've seen a lot of articles on it. It's mm -hmm. about billions of dollars of bad real estate debt could mean big bank losses, and there's tons and tons of news articles on it, but I just have this one right here. So banks are storing away tens of billions of dollars for loan losses. Storing commercial real estate debt is part of the reason. We kind of talked about this with Elon Musk a couple weeks ago, but I want to hear what you guys are you know, seeing or feeling if it's going to hit residential. Well, do you, you want to go, Chris, or you want me to attack? Yeah, I just, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i like a broken record on that. I just think that, I mean, nothing has cut off residential yet. I think the only thing that can is inventory. And inventory is not going to happen. It's just not. It's just too yeah. many people are in situations that they're like, you know what? We're we're hanging. I'm staying. We'll, we'll just kind of fix what we have here. And, um, you know, unless they're making a drastic uh, flip in a, in a switch. But... I mean, when you, I mean, I'm just talking to people, they have, I mean, 2.6% interest rate, you know, and they're going to go to six. And so now it's, they're, it's double. It's, it's absolutely doubled. And people really take a pause at that. And if there's, if there's anything that's happening out there and the, the market kind of gets naughty and mean, and people are thinking something's going to happen, they just freeze and we just stay, you know, because people are in really good position right now. You can go. There's a lot of jobs out there. You can go out there and get a waste waitressing a bartending job and easily make your mortgage payment, no problem. So, well, you know, and I think a lot of what this this uh, article is talking about is something that doesn't directly. Of course, banks are banks, right? So we all think they're doing the same services to every customer, but different customers, like commercial properties or commercial lending, is a lot different. They're, they're uh, for example, let's say the local down in your corner, you have that local strip mall where you have the, the Starbucks coffee, you have the hardware store, and then there's six spots that are open. And retail, like we've all seen it, because we all still order from Amazon, retail's really taking a hit. So these little strip malls that are out there, um, if they have debt on them, which most of them do, most smart business people, debt is leverage. And so they use that leverage to buy more stuff, and then they make a more appreciation on more stuff. Right. So in theory, you see billionaires get richer. And then in this situation, what we're worried about is these little banks, these mom and pop banks that were lending at a local level where these big banks would not lend that individual the money to build that strip mall. So let's say the hardware store guy, it's his dream to own a hardware store. He builds his own building and he builds a couple, um, you know, rental units next to him and he's doing fine. But now the bank decides because the way the Fed changes the rules says, hey, we have to call your note due. Sorry. Um, your, your $6 million is due in cash, um, in 90 days, or we're going to take your building from you or, and, or Andy take this new interest rate Yeah, or here's your new 14% interest rate. Right. Wow. Yes. Right. So that, so that we can at least make money to, to bear the risk. Now, what happens is these banks don't have enough reserves for these banks to, to start defaulting. So hence the old way of doing the books, like we used to do way back when, um, you know, like back in 1971, when they actually used to have the a bank used to have the reserves to lend the money. And that since 1971, the year I was born, that's changed. And so now it's all paper, it's print, it's fake anyway. But what everybody's concerned about is these little banks getting squeezed. So the little banks all of a sudden have to have all these big reserves to cover their big losses, or they're going to lose their ability to lend. 
And, and that there's a lot of conspiracy theory people out there talking about this, where they're saying, you know, the government wants little banks to go away and they want just big banks and just big business. And I'm telling you, man, that's big brother 101. And I, I, I warn everybody start depositing in the little banks, start helping the little banks out um, because they're the ones that will give you the loan to start your small business. They're the ones that will give you the loan or give you the donation for your little uh, youth sports event. And the, a lot of times the big guys don't. So I'm just, I'm just, that's my personal opinion, not Chris's or anybody else's, but I struggle with that. I like to support the little guy. Yeah, I think that's uh, very true. So you can say my name. That's fine. Ditto. You just, the, the cool way to do it, Chris, is just say ditto. Yeah. Ditto. Is this, is this Andy like? Look at that in the background. I mean, that's totally, I got, wow, this is good. You, yeah, you're plugging hard. You see up there, Andy? This is me on the radio right there. Oh, yeah. Well, I got some decent news relating to the commercial in Minnesota. So the largest sale this year so far just happened in Rochester. This um, apartment complex here, I think it's just good news that big sales are still happening, even in the commercial space and that Rochester area, which we've talked about a handful of times. But I think it's good. No? Yeah, it's mixed use. What 138 units and 11,000? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. and I, I assume it's pretty close to uh, a little thing called Mayo, and yeah. it's probably upscale little, and they're yeah. they're paying some good money for those apartment units. But these are the resident doctors, nice. like this, yeah, yeah. But that's a, I mean, I don't know what that commercial space is going for, but that's a that's a lot of money for 138 units. I'll tell you that. Well, I can tell you firsthand, my kid was just down there and they they were down there for a year. We shopped all the apartments. It was not uncommon at all to find apartments that were available that were $2,300, $2,400 a month. Um, the ones that have the restaurants on the main floor and the cool stuff, the workout rooms, those start at $2,300 and go up to $4,000 a month. Yeah. So Rochester is not cheap. I mean, it is as expensive, if not more expensive than you know your your hot spots here in the Twin Cities. And, and they know that because they have one of the highest concentration of high earners in the state of Minnesota in one little zip code. And I mean, you, you go down to right little town, Mercedes Bishop, they have, you know, all these high end restaurants. They, I mean, I think the restaurant per capita ratio is one of the highest in the state, if not, you know, the, the Midwest. And um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of or fewer people, but a lot of high earners. And so, um, and, and, if you're doing it for your estate, so you just rent a place into the hospital. Good truth. Good stuff. Good to see you. A lot of the, uh, and then Chris, a lot of the other apartments in that area. Um, I didn't, I didn't know if you guys care about this or not, but some of the ones that are even a little farther out because there's so many people working at Mayo, almost every apartment that we looked at out there has a shuttle bus going like every 15 minutes down to the Mayo from their apartment complex. So that was kind of cool too. Wow. I Free. think I have. Yeah. Yeah. You have a little echo or something going on there in the office. It's a oh, fan. A fan. Uh, here we go. We got some luxury lake homes, a compound being sold. Let me pop it up here. Individually too. So we've talked about this before, buying like a compound thing and then selling off um, each one. I think you have one in points. 
lake area, right, Andy? Kind of a similar um, thing. This is more... just like my house. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I built Andy's. each one of my kids a million dollar cabin, and uh, no. Is that the guest house I stayed in, Andy? <laughs> I don't remember if you're on the east or the west side of the property, but it could have been. Yes. Okay, you're not even sure which ones they are. Um, okay, let's see this five and a half billion dollar lakeside lodge, Pequot Lakes, and six other luxury cabins for the owner's children on Whitefish Chain. That's awesome. Um, you hear about this, uh, people creating their little area. I mean, it's almost like its own little resort. It, it'd be wonderful. Yeah. I'm not into the log home stuff, but it's, uh, I guess it'd be pretty cool if I had a big head of a moose there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of funny too. The people that don't hunt moose, they put up the uh, the big fake moose now. They're like stuffed heads. They're kind of cute. <laughs> really? Yeah. Are they like cartoonish or are they real? No, they're like a stuffed animal. Like, uh, like uh, they're not supposed, they make them cheese, just a little cheesy. So, you know, they're fake, but real enough to, so oh, it looks like there's a big moose up on your. That's pretty fun. Yeah, no, it's a cool place. How cool would that be to have? And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people out there with money that can do that. A lot of people. So well, did you see? Too. So if I didn't, if I remember this right, because um, I'm on a search up there with with uh, Pedigs and those guys, they've got me constantly looking for investments. And that that property not only is the main shack for sale for five million, each one of the six other buildings that are on the property are for sale now for like a million and a half bucks a piece. It, yeah. It's it's a big expensive property. Do you know who family that was that owned that? You know, I thought it was I thought it was uh, uh, Denny Hecker's, but it's not. It was somebody else. Okay. Because Hecker's property was like this and was for sale. I don't remember a couple years ago, and there was an investment group of guys that were going in on it together. And um, the bank there was there was rumors that it was being repossessed from the buyer that bought it from. The bankruptcy, um, you know, auction, and th that's just not the case. It was it was just a wealthy family that just wanted to get rid of it, but they didn't want to give it give it away. Whatever they thought they would. Yeah, that's some. There takes a lot of planning and what those people did because I'm sure they built it as this compound, hoping that's never going to sell. But think, being smart and thinking ahead and making sure that, I mean, that it could plat out and give each individual. Um, parcel number or whether they did that at the beginning or not. Well, Nick, if you go back, if you go back to those, uh, to that photo, click through some of those photos. It said, I think it said that there was like 18 or 20 photos on there. Um, yeah. There you go. Oh. <laughs> That's, is that a garage? Wow. Yeah, that must be a garage. That's cool, man. Reminds me of Lincoln Logs. It looks like those garages turned into little areas to hang out in. Yeah. Huh. Jeez. Oh, doesn't it? So it doesn't have pictures of the other cabins. Maybe, I don't want to tell you what to do here, but maybe scroll down and see if there's any other photos on there. What a neat property though, huh? Yeah. So the other one, two, neighbor, two of the neighboring cabins listed for 1.5 and 1.35. Yeah. They're both sold. Well, yeah, if they keep look going, anything like the main yeah, cabin, going down and, uh, it's kind of, there they there are. We go. Wow, how, what a cool guest cabin. Yeah, it's now a house for 1.45. Wow. Yeah, that's I love that on the soffits. You see how the soffits come out over those 
vaulted gables like that and they actually step out. So they go up and then they step out and go up again. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a cool look on a roof. But I'm confused here. So I've never heard about this lake and they have, I mean, this place doesn't look that big, this one, and it's going for 1.45 million. I mean, is there tons of lakes around Minnesota that have this kind of luxury? Well, it's on the Whitefish chain. That's kind of a, a big area for um, people to have cabins up there. I mean, that's totally 100% a cabin for someone. Yeah. So what's crazy though, too, is that like uh, those little, those little cabins, like when they're that, those big pine logs like that, and they're sent out in kit like this, and it's all stonework like that. I mean, it, there's, there's probably almost a million bucks just in materials, and they probably have those expensive Canadian low-end windows and all. I mean, that whole thing screams they invested a ton of money, you know? They are kind of lined up there, aren't they? Just like a resort, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Very cool. Good stuff. Now we know what you do get... with all your money, Rooney. <laughs> we'll see. All right, let's get into some social media reacts, have some fun. And they'll be brought to you by uh, Chris Rooney, Home Experts. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. And with knowledge comes reality. Just saying. I mean, I think I, you look at these markets and people, I talk to a lot of different agents and they're, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? It's like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I know right before I got into real estate, I mean, the, the interest rates were over 15% at that time. And when I got in it, it got to 10 and a half. And once it got under 10, it was like nine nine and a half, uh, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to kill this. It's going to be awesome. The rates have come down so much. So, you know, I think that's just it. It's like the, it's like tuning a motor, you know, and, and you have where there's the prices were going up because the rates were staying so low and it allowed people as they were getting raises to buy and purchase more and higher end and, and more, you know, it allowed the inflation to take off. So if, if they would have raised rates a little bit as prices were going up, I don't think our market would have been as hot as it was. Yeah. They would have cooled down a little bit or been a little more normalized because yeah. right now the ratios are off. So you remember a year ago we had Nick saying, oh, hey, guys, affordability is changing. And we were like, no, it's fine. Affordability was, you know, at 200, which is like the perfect situation. And and now it's down at like 79. And it, it it's because the, the rates and the prices stayed high. The rates went high. And now incomes all of a sudden are now trying to catch up with rates. And so it'll I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of appreciation until – one of those things gets back on the other side. And so either rates have to come down, which, you know, if you looked at yesterday, I don't know if you're uh, paying attention, they were talking about the Fed starting to talk about pushing rates one more time. And it's just like, holy cows, guys. I don't know. I mean, you, you've already got us snowing over. I mean, you're seeing the, the Arctic freeze happening, but I, I don't know how cold they want it to get before they stop. But It's sunny outside, though, Andy. We're good. Yeah. 
What I worry about is that world that are saying, hey, I want to move back to Minnesota, buy a house, have a family, you know, and and I want to, I just want the same balance that you guys have, right? That that a full nice safe. That's all. Andy, the new American dream is uh, to take the money from USA and go live overseas. We can't live the same as you guys did. True. That's why we have to live through you, Nick. Let's Looks like some. they got you doing the easy work, huh, Cupcake? I just got out of a 250-hour unpaid shift of crap. Is that it? That's awesome. Uh, I want to work. Remember, like a lot of people... They make fun of our generation, Chris, but I'll tell you what. Were we or were we not talked to that way? Yeah. A million percent, Absolutely. right? Yeah. It, Let's go. Cupcake, you know. <laughs> yeah. well, I was never called a cupcake, just so you know that. But you might – I don't know if you – I would have loved to have been called a cupcake back back when I was full of testosterone. Um, I probably would have ripped some heads off. I, I Who you call cupcake? You ever seen Randy the Macho Man Savage? Have you ever seen an ice cream truck come in your neighborhood? No, I don't. I don't participate. He's never had. Okay. Nope. I just, I'm just checking. I know what you're talking about. Random question. Random question. So here's an amazing question: Should you refinance your mortgage to pay off debt? The answer is maybe. And here's what I mean. If you're paying crazy high interest rates on your auto or credit card debt, then even if your home interest rate's gonna go up by a point or two, it may make a ton of sense financially to lower your monthly debt obligation. So if you're able to cut your car payment in half by going from 12% to 6%, and if you're able to cut your credit card debt in a thirds by going from 18% to 6%, and doing a small debt consolidation into your mortgage may make a ton of sense. And then you could use a couple of different hacks like doing a 15-year mortgage or paying two mortgage payments per month, divide your mortgage payment in half and pay every other week. And you can reduce your total debt obligation by like 11 years by doing that. So does it make sense to go from 3% to 6%? No, unless by going from 3% to 6%, you're wrapping in some of your 15, 20% debt that you have that you just can't seem to get caught up on. That is who is. You guys look bored. I, I just, I get, I, mean, I get so mad. The, the one thing that someone that struggles with the discipline to not overcharge their credit cards, right? The one thing they have going from right now is equity. So this, this, Guys telling you, hey, give up all your equity, what you're actually worth, to pay off your debts that you can't afford. Um, I'd say sell that truck, sell that car, get something you can afford, you know what I mean? And refinance those those things. But I mean, that's not the world we're in. Right now they're telling us it's okay to have bad credit and it's okay to have you know payments and get used to it and we'll even charge you less if you want to borrow a house, buy a house. What what I was thinking on that whole thing is like, doesn't everyone know this already? That's what my point is. I mean, it's pretty, I mean, that's been around forever. And if if you pay an extra payment a, a month, so what they're saying is that you're paying every two weeks. It's like 7.3 years on your mortgage, not 11 years. But, but again, now I'm not trying to be 
silly here, but think about cookies, okay? Now, this guy's talking about your, your house is the biggest cookie you have. And now you want to double the interest rate on the biggest cookie you have, and you want to take out equity. And so now this payment's this big. I mean, Chris, it's not... It's, Use that cookie, but but you know, like your 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 car payments, you know, five hundred dollars, and now it goes to three hundred. But now you're putting your entire four hundred thousand dollar house double the rate, so now you have double the payment on interest, and you know, just to get access to pay off that little payment. And I go, I don't know, you got it, you got to be really please talk to a financial advisor before you do anything. What anybody does online. Because it's not always the best move. It seems like the right move. It feels good, but feeling good is what got you into trouble in the first place. So, but Andy, Andy, if we could do this again, we could just be in the same situation we were in 2008. We're gonna have to really try hard, Chris. Like lower uh, our expectations on borrowing. Yeah. Um, get everybody to borrow money that doesn't want to. Force them to do it. That's why I'm saying 2008 is is a pipe dream unless you do a bunch of these kind of things, because it's there's the rates are too low on your house and, and people got equity. Of, I mean, they could rent it out pretty darn easy rather than losing it. And foreclosures are what killed the market. Yep. Well, you know, like they were saying in this, in this equity rich market, we're in people to go buy a 200. And I got no payment. And to pay us our house payment to keep the boat. I'm coming! I'm coming! Hey, hold on, Nick. Bring that back up because look at. Look at the engagement. We're, I've been trying to convince this guy of flip-flops and stuff and being his personality. And look at how many likes and comments were on that. A lot of engagement, but I, really? I exited, exited out of it. Oh, okay. But um, I thought there was no ice cream trucks in your neighborhood. I guess there was. Well, I used to not be able to catch him. This guy actually stops. <laughs> I like that you took a I, break in between. I, it was kind Just of a so funny you, day. We were working outside. Oh, go ahead. Where'd that outfit come from? Is that really what you wear? Okay. So I was out. I was literally outside blowing the the flower beds and stuff clean, and I, so I was like working outside, and and I'm wearing a hat that doesn't fit. I'm wearing an outfit that doesn't match. I'm like I look like the homeless guy under the bridge down the street, and all of a sudden I hear the ice cream truck coming. I go, hold on. I go, I got to go get my wallet. So, of course, I run into the house to get my wallet. And and sure enough, they have a camera running as I run by. <laughs> so, I saw the camera rolling and I, I hammed it up a little bit. But What did you get, by the way? What did I get? Oh, I got an ice cream uh, ice cream sandwich. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> this, 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 that ice cream truck actually serves hard scooped, you know, uh, ice cream cones. Wow. They're, they're expensive, though. They're like five bucks. Yeah. Well, hey, they delivered right to you. I was going to do DoorDash last night. And then I started looking at it, and it was like, for a $10 thing, it was like $22. I'm like, what? Uh, no. 
That's, that was, uh, I had a buddy like that in college that he had a checkbook. And back then, checkbooks were funny because he was, hey, man, I'll buy dinner. I got checks. And I'm like, okay. So we go to Taco Bell, $32 for Taco Bell, everybody to eat. And he bounces checks. And this this dipstick was bouncing checks at Taco Bell for $30, ended up costing him $200. Yeah. And he, but back then, he, you're, hey, I got checks, I got money, man. Yeah. Totally. I was going to say, Andy, I think you're lying. I think that was planned. Like nowadays, everyone says all content is planned. Nothing is spontaneous. Yeah. It was good. Well, I'll tell you, I didn't plan that ice cream truck coming. And and I uh, once I saw the camera rolling, like I said, I hammed it up a little bit. But that that was the best part is when you stopped and had to take a couple of deep breaths and yeah. then continued. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, if you read the comments though, I, 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 it's funny how everybody says, "Oh, he's such a child," and I love it. And I'm like, I'm just living, man. I'm not. <laughs> I can verify that is totally Andy Prasky, the real Andy. Hey, so, so speaking of like uh, spontaneous content, here's one right here. But I want to get your opinions on uh, how this agent performed, and if you would uh, hire up on your team. Breaking news, White is out. Excuse me, are you a real estate agent in Dubai? Yes, I am. What are you selling today? I'm actually selling the tallest building in JLT, starting price at $700,000. Can I have a tour? Yes, sure, let's go. Welcome to SO Uptown Residences, a masterpiece brought to you by Andrew Smith and Gordon Gill, the same people who designed Burj Khalifa. Really? Mm-hmm, come take a look. This is your living room with an open plan kitchen and a beautiful dining table. And this is a one bedroom, 900 square feet. And this is your master bedroom with your classy ensuite bathroom and guess what this is a ready to move in with only 20% down payment Ooh, the old knife at the end it didn't do much for me well the, the apartment was hideous they should have had like that that knife shining oh yeah, I was looking at the apartment too, kind of like that. She bragged about it being designed by two famous designers, yeah. and then they didn't focus on the design. Right. They just kind of like pan rooms. They had all the shades shut, so you couldn't tell what the heck they were doing. So, would you hire that girl, as Nick said? Sure. Well, I'm sure she'd get people that want to buy from her. I mean, she's an attractive young lady, and I mean, she followed the script. I mean, you know, sure. All right, she's hired, Nick. Yeah, she's a Slavic girl. I'm pretty sure from uh, Russia, but uh, in Dubai, every time I see real estate content, it's a beautiful Slavic girl selling properties. They're all down there right now. It's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that must be the uh, the perfect magnet for the buyer. Yeah. All right. We're going to get into some uh, role play. We got four of them today, so we can kind of do it. We got 15 minutes left. We can take up all the time, but I really want you guys to, these are hard questions here, hard role plays. Uh-oh. Let's see them. What are we doing? All right. I'll read it. Andy, a client is looking for a single-family home in a secure neighborhood, preferably where they don't steal necklaces off your neck. Okay? They want a good school system, and they want easy access to amenities, but are limited to a $400 budget. How would you guide them in their search? I, I would refer them out. Refer Next question. 
Uh, next question. Um, no, 400,000, believe it or not, is pretty hard to hit right now. Um, when you want a secure neighborhood, I guess that is by definition something that would be subjective to the buyer. Um, we all have a different opinion of what's secure is, right? Like Nick's hanging out in sketchy neighborhoods and doesn't care and gets his necklace stolen and is still drinking beers with his buddies versus the, you know, somebody else might say, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. And they'd leave the area immediately. So to me, good schools. Um, there's great school districts all over the uh, state of Minnesota. There's also some wonderful charter schools. So taking a look at, there's there's bad and good. So if you take a look at some of these uh, surrounding charter schools, it's, you know, are sometimes they're individualized into certain areas of study, if it's science, if it's, you know, um, like we have Athlos over by here in uh, Brooklyn Park, where it's a big academy for, for it says athletics. Um, and, you know, different, th there's different themes there. So you could find a good school and you could actually, you know, find a nice area. Um, and um, it 400,000 is the challenge there, Chris. I think if that said 600, it'd be easy. Um, 400 is tricky. Yeah. I think, Andy, you had a perfect thing you said, and you asked about a secure neighborhood and what that means to them. And that is so true. I mean, so is it, uh, you know, um, a gated entrance? I mean, if, if it's a single family home, you're not getting, you know, a guard at the front door of your condominium complex or, you know, so, so what is it and what does that mean? Um, is it crime? Is it just crime in the area? Do you want to know about that? I mean, so we have to, we have to identify that first. And then when we're talking about that $400,000 budget, that's going to really kind of push where we go. I mean, we might have to move you out to Belle Plaine or to Forest Lake or to Champlin. I mean, get way out there. And, um, you know, it, it gets, I don't know if they can hit their budget at 400 and Champlin anymore. Yeah, it's tough. I know that was a joke. What's one, which one, Centerville? How about Centerville? Uh, the Centerville schools, man, they draw on some big money. There, there are, there are homes. What Eveleth? No Eveleth. problem. Okay. <laughs> I just had to keep going up. No, I think, I think you'd be okay in Centerville too. You know, Centerville, I know mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of affordable houses in there around 400. Um, real close to that number anyway, as long as you're not right at 400. Yeah. So I think I would, I would definitely be looking, I mean, at 400,000 probably is the thing that's not going to switch for them. And so now, and what is a good school system? You know, what, what does that mean too? Andy's right. It, we have in Minnesota, we have a school choice now. So you're 8,000 travels with you wherever you're going. And so these schools are trying to become more of a business. I mean, they have to be to stay in business. You gotta have kids go there. So facts. Okay, I young families looking for a home in an up-and-coming neighborhood. What is an up-and-coming neighborhood? Explain the risks and benefits of buying an area that is still gentrifying. What so you know, maybe they're talking about like you know, like you look at some areas like down on Washington Avenue where that was industrious and you know, and kind of a, a business oriented area. And then they started converting some of these warehouse and old factory buildings into condominiums and businesses and restaurants and, and became kind of a pocket. Um, if they're that, it's um, um, on top of the cost of this, is, um, you know, for... For, yeah, I think for an area, and you're the only. 
Yeah, Andy, you're really lagging. Um, you're kind of behind for some reason, but I think that's why I have to talk, and we'll hopefully get that figured out. But um, what a, a young family is looking in an up-and-coming neighborhood to kind of play off what Andy just said is that it's, it's very true. You're, you're, you're looking at something and trying to figure out, you know, hey, is this going to end up being something that people are going to buy into? Because if they don't, and you're in the middle of a, uh, a bunch of factories because the first thing to turn out well, I mean, you're not going to do very good <laughs> on that place. So, and sometimes it's moving out of town. You know, typically when rates go down and markets go up, people start to kind of venture out a little more. Andy's done a, a ton of building in, is it Lionel Lakes, Andy? Lionel? Yeah, Lionel Lakes, Centerville. And so, yeah, so those towns were not, I mean, that's kind of taking a chance as you're moving out there. And at the beginning, maybe five, six years ago, his development land where he's trying to get land in Blaine for, you know, development acre, 90,000, he's probably getting it for 30,000. So now he can get you that $400,000 two-story uh, five years ago where you'd pay 600 in Blaine. So it's kind of one of those things that it is a risk, but you can kind of make it a more... Um, a better risk by just kind of making sense of it and that it's, that it's going to work. So, and I think, I mean, and it does. And I think your real estate agent is a big part of that to help you. Okay. You want to read that Andy? Yeah. You have an investor client looking to purchase an income generating property in an area that is likely to appreciate quickly. Explain the potential in, uh, implications of investing in a fast-moving, seasonal, volatile market. They threw in volatile at the end, didn't they? You're going to play with that. I mean, I think what some people uh, might consider on this is like the East and the West Coast. They go up quick. They go down fast. Um, you know, Minnesota is a little more stable. Uh, the Midwest in general is. The middle parts of the states are. But when you get a, a place like that, that is that is an impact, is that it can go up really quick or you can get really hit. All of a sudden, you're invested in Fort Myers and you get hit by a hurricane and everything gets destroyed. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> you're going to, you know, that that's something you're, you're going to have to deal with. And now your rent might not be coming in for a year, two years. Um, houses go down. People think, oh my gosh, it's going to get hit by storms again. I'm not going to move there. Let's let, let's move a little more inland. So that can, I mean, that's that's the stuff that can happen. Um, you get into a, a condo unit and everyone starts to rent them out and the market just starts tanking and no one's renting. People start getting rid of them. Now all of a sudden, 37 of the 50 units are in foreclosure. You're in trouble. So. Amen. Boy, I think Andy there's agrees. Any, with... I'm scared I'm not, and... uh, I'm not coming. Oh, you're good. You guys keep telling me I'm lagging. You are lagging. You were. You're perfect now. What's funny is that you two talk and you two lag on my side. That is interesting. I think it's Nick. <laughs> it's, it's our Brazilian. Our, our show's going all the way to Brazil to come all the way back to the States. You you forgot you forgot who edits it. So when I edit it, I get to see who's actually lagging or not. <laughs> We'll see who lags. Oh, wow. We got proof. That's awesome. Oh, my God. Andy gets so mad about if we say he's lagging just because you're a lagger, Andy. It's no big deal. 
you know, I, I don't still think love I'm, you. I'm not mad at you guys. I'm mad oh. at my internet because if it, if I'm paying for high speed ethernet connection and that's what I'm plugged into, I, I should have zero lag. Do you have fiber optic? Not, no, I don't have fiber optic. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm hopefully I'm getting that. I can't, I can't wait to see what that's like. I will, I will in Alexandria. Um, once we get going on that. Any project. news on that? Any updates? Are you going to do it yet? Um, or not? I'm heading up there for the parade of homes this weekend. We're going to, um, there's six cabins up there on display. Yeah. I'm um, going to go up there and check that out. See what the market, see if the market's changed at all. Cause last year it was the highest, most inflated piggy fatty um, market I've ever seen. And, and we're big years on production and that, you know, everything you don't want to hear from a builder is what I was hearing last year. And so we're going to go back up there and see if their tunes change a little. Awesome. Good deal. Hey, we got one more. It's similar to the you? gentrifying question. I'm role playing. That's all I do. Because I have a client who deserves living. Oh, who he doesn't deserve, but he desires it to live in an urban area, but very limited on budget. Describe options for urban living that may provide an outstanding quality of life while coming in below the client's maximum spend. Well, sometimes things don't work out for people, okay? So if they want to live in an urban area and they want to be in somewhere, I mean, and maybe they're saying, I want a two-bedroom, we got to push them to a studio or a one-bedroom and just say, you know what, this is the, ne the next step up is when you're going to get your place that you it's going to work perfect for you. But in the meantime, if you want to be in this area, because that's typically what happens is they want to be in that, that area. And so now we just have to find something that fits their budget. They just have to realize that it's the way you do it. But there's different ways in which to finance too, you know, and maybe there's some gifts, some gifts that you can get. Do you know an individual person can give like a little over $11 million in their life in gifts? Did you know that, Andy? Gifts or I gifts? Gifts, like gift money. So we can gift yeah. money out, $11 million. Jeez. Over your lifetime. And so I just I just learned that from the accountant. I didn't know what it was because I always wondered, you know, so if a parent gives a gift to a kid to be able to buy a house, you know, that's more than the 17000 a year that you can do. I guess as long as you, I mean, now this is what I've heard. I can't give tax advice, but as long as you find or file a gift tax addendum, you know, it can go towards your $11 million. Just saying. That's very cool. Speak to your accountant, Chris Mahol, this little guy I talked to. He was our radio guy. Yeah, he was. And I tell him, I keep telling him, he's like, hey, I can't keep giving all this free information. I said, we still have a podcast. You have to give it to us. Yeah. It's kind of an unwritten rule. Yeah. It's real estate radio hour. You have to do it. Once you're in, you're in forever, unfortunately. For life. For life. So. All right, awesome. I think we're I think uh we're done. My uh my cable company is gonna get a stern letter for me on my connection speed. Maybe we could talk about this quickly after the show. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Um Andy, don't worry, I make you look great with the editing. Okay, we're getting lots of views. I mean, they're beautiful. You guys are becoming the TikTokers, the smart oh. TikTokers, the ones that don't spread misinformation. Hey, Nick, hold on. So Mr. Social Media, you're all over it all the time. You do it. You handle it. You've been part of it. 
Am I not right about Andy Prasky that he should be doing some of these stuff? And he I would think be a star. I know star. he would be. I say that all the time because it's a natural thing. So, you guys I already paid my dues. You don't have to talk me to paying again with flip flops. Oh, for sure. Everything goes around flip flop. That's my kind of thing for him. Uh, you're like I'm marketing a house, Andy, and it all starts with the flip flops, and then everything from there is just a play off of that. Flip flop realty. Flipper, the flipper. That would be uh -oh. good. Yeah. Oh, I know. I just, hey, yeah, we got we got to answer this great question though. That amphitheater is going up in Shakopee right next to the uh, racetrack. I think it's fantastic. I mean, they sold some land. It was a, a lot of money, but how cool is that going to be? I mean, I'm, I'm glad Shakopee took that in. Because Shakopee's losing a couple things. I mean, Amazon's bailing, and it's just, uh, I think that'll be great. And it's right next to the track, so you won't have as, uh, the problem with uh, neighbors and stuff. So. Who knows? We're gonna probably my get up at the lake that uh, her her dad owned that land over there. Who did? Uh, that they. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember his name, but they, the guy that owned all the land under Canterbury Downs, was the guy that was behind the backer behind the development that I'm in in Alex. Who the Samson family? Or? Uh no. Um, I, I don't have it in front of me. I, I retract my statement because I don't have the information in front of me. Okay, that's okay. Hey, but great stuff. Everyone, go to our YouTube page. Our shorts are going fast. We need you to subscribe. Give them a like. You can write us reviews on iTunes, Spotify. I think the show is, is moving in the right direction. We're adapting to the new world. It's beautiful. Um, make sure to click our link tree of our websites, full episodes, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.